Wax. My name's Jordan D. White, and um, you know, it's uh, this is my podcast. I um, I do this, I do this podcast. I, well, Jordan, you gotta, you gotta do the. Can you, you want to start? Over? No, I don't want to start. No, I don't want to start over. Thanks, Frank. Well, I mean, because you're not really introducing it very well. Well, th- thanks. Look, I'm jo- look, I'm Jordan D. White, and this is my podcast, and. <sighs> You know, I just, I don't care. I don't even care. Jordan, you don't want to feel that way. You know, you can't let your personal feelings get in the way of your artistic work. Yes, if every time something went wrong for me, I gave up on things, I wouldn't be in the position I'm in. I'd probably, well, I wouldn't still be in prison because my sentence would have been up by now, but you understand the point. I, I wouldn't be where I am today. Well, that's great. Thanks. You know, God, I forget. This is stupid. Uh, you know what, guys? You do the podcast. I don't even care. No, Jordan, well, we don't have no, to. No, just go. Frank, go ahead. Take over. Oh, well, if you think no, Jordan, that I don't should really necessary. take over, I, I just, mean, I can handle Rory, it. I just, you know, I just don't care. It's just stupid. Oh, no. Well, you guys heard him. Uh, he said that I am going to be taking over the podcast for now. Um, welcome to Cast and Wax. My name is Frank Allen, and I will be your host. Uh, these two over here are my co-hosts, I guess. Uh, this is Rory Sinjin. Hello, uh, Frank. Hello, listeners. It's good to hear you all. Um, as he said, I, my name is Rory Sinjin. I'm an ex-historian. That's good. That's good. Uh, we're just introducing everybody right now. This is Scape White, Jordan's cat. Hello, everybody. Uh, my name is Scapey, and I am a very happy cat. Apparently, that, that you heard Jordan White a second ago. Apparently, he's not feeling up to... His usual self. Well, do we know why he's so upset? I mean, the reason that he said, I, I just can't believe that it's true. No, I think that really is why. Um, he, he's upset because he watched uh, the movie Watchmen this weekend, and uh, he is apparently feels it was not very good. I don't know what he's talking about. I thought it was I thought it was very good. I thought it was a really great uh, uh, movie. I, I really enjoyed it. But he was kind of upset about it, and uh, I don't know. He's being a, a whiny bastard about it. I, you know, it's, I, I haven't seen the movie yet. I, I mean, I suppose I, I will, and 
know, I haven't read the book either. I mean, well, no, you should see. Don't bother with the book. I mean, the book is fine, but they made a movie of it now. You can just do that. I mean, it's only what two two and a half hours long. That's a lot less time than it would take you to read the book, and it's got all the important stuff in it. So the movies, it it it, it really is faithful to the book too. It adapts. You know, you'll see exact images. I don't know why. I really don't understand why he's so upset. I mean, it's like the guy who who did the movie just like filmed right out of the book. But whatever. When we don't want to spend time talking about this stupid movie. I mean, like I said, it was a good movie. Uh, Jordan is upset, but I don't really know. Well, he takes comics very seriously. I mean, sometimes I will be sitting on the nightstand next to their bed, and there's some comics there, and I think, oh, what I could do is kind of tear at these to get their attention, you know? And I would just kind of rip a little bit, and he, like, freaks out. Well, I think he, I mean, he works in the comic book industry. Yeah, but I just, want, I just wanted some attention, and I'm just like, rip, 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 and all of a sudden he's like, don't do that. Well, I mean, you shouldn't be ripping at his things. Yeah, but I want attention. Don't you think there's better ways to get attention than tearing people's things? I mean, I, I, I don't ever tear at people's things when I want their attention. I go on the radio. I go, you know, I, I, I say, attention, please. That's one, one way. Well, I would do that sometimes, but sometimes it's more immediate to just be like, rip, rip, rip. Well, that's not a good idea. No, it's not advisable. At any rate, uh, it's good to be back in charge of the show. Well, I, didn't, I mean, he didn't necessarily mean that you were in charge of the show. Well, he did. I mean, my name's Frank, and he did say Frank. No, but I, I'm just saying, in general, I think he meant, you know, he didn't care. Feel free to take the show. Okay, well, I am. No, I, I think he meant any of us, you know, as a group. As a group, our name isn't Frank. No, but what I'm saying... I don't, I don't really care what you're saying. The point is, I'm taking over the show. And as the host of the show, I can decide that the segment we usually do at the beginning of the show, um, which shall not be named... You mean I watch that is. Well, yeah, I, I said we're, it won't be named, but yeah, we're not going to do that part. We need to do that part. That. No, we're not going to do that part. I will sing my song. You won't sing the song. Look, we're not going to do that part. I am the host of the show. But I have a lot of things about Allen Industries to say. Look, they don't need our advertisement. You already said that they're starting broadcasting at the end of the month. Do we need to give them more advertisement? They, you know, they've been all over the media. We don't need to advertise them anymore. No, than the guys, you know, you know what the problem is that it's like it's like some you know dumb thirteen year old kid read the book and and was like, oh man, it's so cool that they're like they're like fighting and then they're like doing it and you know that's just I I this is oh my. All right. Uh, good. All right. So uh, anyway, the point is we're just going to just jump right past that part of the show. We're not going to do the that part. Yes, I watch it is called watch. We're watching. No, we're, st- I, we're not. I, the point is we're not doing that part. Fine. So I won't tell you about how Allen Industries has gotten all its sponsors in a row. No, you won't. No. In fact, I I will. I'll beep that out. You won't beep that out. You don't know how to beep that out. Well, I, I can look up uh, how to. I'll, so there's a way, I'm sure. Look, it's not that complicated. Yes, but you don't know how to do it. Watch, I'll prove it. Hello, everyone in the podcast. If you can hear me say that Frank Allen is a douche without any beeps, then Frank Allen cannot figure out how to beep me out. Well, look, I will, I can try to... It doesn't... Look, I'm the host of the show now, so you don't get to decide about being the host of the show. Look, I just want to... Can we just move on? Can we get out of here, please? Can we move on with our life? Everything... I'm fine. Let's move right on. You want to get to the first segment of the show? Yeah, I, I really do. Oh, I don't even know what it is. <sighs> it's it's Epic Echoes, the Backwoods series. This is the episode in which most of the flashback gets killed, in fact. Oh, right, right, right. I remember hearing about that, yeah. Uh, now, Scape, you're in this show. What do you think of the show? I like the episodes that I... I'm in best of all. It's actually most of the episodes. <laughs> well, in th- in three of the seasons, anyway. I'm not in the first season very much, but I'm in like 
pretty much all the episodes besides that. So I'm in like 33 episodes, maybe. So you like 33 of the episodes out of 44? Is that what it is? Yeah. <laughs> I like those ones. And out of those episodes, I would say the best parts are the parts with me talking. Wow. Who would have guessed that you would think that? Do we really need a 70-year-old guy ninja fight? Is that what we needed? Is that how we like to start movies with 70-year-old men having ninja fights, guys? Is this is this cool with you guys? You know, I've never really thought about it. I thought it was fine. Look, I don't see why you had a problem with he it. He was 70 years old and he's having a ninja fight. Seriously, you don't see a problem with that? You don't see a problem with a 70... Because he was born in, like, it, it said, it said like, 1980... Forget it, Frank. Just forget... You don't. You obviously don't get it, all right? I'm... I'm... I'm go back to your stupid podcast. Well, it's your... It's actually your stupid podcast, but... Okay, bye. Um, anyway, let's, uh, let's get to Epic Echoes. Uh, hopefully everyone will enjoy it, uh, as much as Scape does, especially the parts that he's in. Yeah! Echoes the Backward Series, Season 3, Episode 5, Marsh Madness, by Guinevere Eckert. The year was 1683. The place was Canterbury, England. To be more specific, the place was on top of the cathedral of said city in England. The cryptogs had finally been handed off to the priests for safekeeping, and Sarah Keane was nowhere to be found. As per usual, the rest of the flashback was awaiting her arrival so that they could leave. We could just leave her behind. Jimmy, that's a terrible thing to say. Just a suggestion. I think I recall a similar phrase being said by her about me not too long ago. Patience, Jimmy. What's ten minutes or so going to hurt? Ten minutes of us not fighting off vampiros in Baltimore of the very, very distant future? Max gave her a look. What? I'm just saying. Besides, it's already been way longer than ten minutes. Bertress, would you please leave the birds alone? You're going to fall off the roof. Hello, magic user! It's not like I've never survived a young fall before! How does impaling yourself on one of those gargoyles' tails sound? Chill out, everyone. Keen will be back soon, and then we can... Wait, where's Stralis? Oh, you and Slaughter were working on time logistics, so Jimmy, Dralis, and I drew straws to follow Keen. Um, why? Just a hunch. I'm probably wrong. Don't worry about it. Meanwhile, in a rotting castle in Blackmore, formerly part of the greater North Sea continent of Britain... So you're off to the future. How long before you return, my darling Sarah? Oh, not long. It should only take us a few weeks to collect everything. Pardon my asking, but what exactly is it that you and your pack are gathering? Well, Max said we weren't supposed to go around telling people. In case of spies. I'm really sorry, William. I know that sounds horrible. It's just that... Oh, what the hell? Language, my dear Sarah! A lady never belittles herself by stooping to the use of common language. Forgive me, my darling. We're going to Baltimore. Something about collecting goo for innocence. It really is a genius idea. May Molly never hear me say that. Anyway, I must dash. They'll be waiting for me, and I do not wish for Molly to send anybody else to come spying on me. Oh, I shall miss you so. Well, to tide you over until we are reunited, I was wondering if you could ponder something for me. Anything, my love. Sir William Alfred Wickersham, 14th Lord Duke of Blackmore, formerly part of the greater North Sea continent of Britain, dropped to one knee. Sarah Keane, I am but a humble man, simple of heart and pure of spirit, but I dare to ask against all odds. 
if such a graciously distinguished lady as yourself would deign to marry such as I. M- marry, marry you? I, my beloved, to have, to hold, to raise children, grow old and rule with for eternity. Oh, of course I will, William. Splendid. Now you must away so that I can make arrangements for the moment we will return and we shall be joined as one. Keen, her cheeks flushed with delight, pushed a button on her transporter belt and dissolved from William's sight. It's a shame, really. She was a lovely girl. A figure stepped out from behind a tapestry. You will return when the deed is finished to receive eternity? The figure nodded. Sir William Alfred Wickersham, 14th Lord Duke of Blackmore, smiled. Meanwhile, the flashback was getting fidgety. They all sighed a mixture of relief and exasperation when finally Keen materialized behind Fertress, practically scaring the cat man right out of his fur. I thought it was rocking chairs that made cats nervous, not rooftops. Rocking chairs make cats nervous. I am not a cat. I am a cat man. Thank you very much. And Jimmy told me that gargoyles were going to eat me. Um, no. He said you were going to impale yourself on one if you didn't stop goofing off. The discussion was ended with the appearance of a very pissed off looking Dralis. I suppose she wasn't our best choice for someone to send on a wild goose chase after Sarah. Probably not. I hate it when she looks scary like that. It reminds me of the Empress of Alter Earth. Oh well, at least they're both back. I think it's time to head out. Ready, Slatter? Baltimore of the very, very distant future, correct? The year 98673 to be exact. And when we're done collecting the goo from the Goopy March, we'll take it to the aquarium. What's an aquarium? It's a giant museum of fish. Fish? <laughs> yep, every kind of fish you can imagine. Even a few from the ocean planet of Poseidon. Tell him about it later, please. I'd really like to get out of here before any vampiros show up. Not only for our sake, but I feel like the priests would be a little grateful if they lived long enough to at least hide the cryptogs. Come on, everybody. The flash pack grabbed hands and held on as they were punched through time and space to land on a soft, squishy, ground-like substance that got all over their shoes. Gross! Um, Slaughter? What is this? With Canterbury, England, 1683, behind them, the pack stared around them at Baltimore of the very, very distant future. So far in the future that, apparently, there was no longer a city. No people, no cars, no buildings. Not even visible archaeological evidence of buildings. Not even an aquarium. Just large ferns, a few volcanoes in the distance, and an enormous forest right in front of them. The flashbacks, still in a circle from their time travel, shuffled closer together. What is what? Well, for starters, Jill, where is Baltimore? This is Baltimore. I set my watch for Baltimore of 986-73. That's when the Goopy Marshes were first discovered by Ingmar Brick... Brig... I can't pronounce it, but that guy. Didn't you guys take Future History of the Earth Part 3 in 11th grade? I'm not even in 11th grade yet. There's... there. There's no dinosaurs that are going to jump out and eat us, right? Keen, how many times must we go over this? Just because they made an island to actually house dinosaurs after that movie does not mean that they took over the world and are going to eat you. I guess we've gone so far into the future that everything is... devolved. Either way, I vote on finding those marshes and getting back to civilized time before something new decides it wants to kill us. The flash pack nodded in general agreement, and Molly pulled out her textbook. It says that the goopy marshes found only in central Baltimore of the very, very distant future... Why is it always phrased like that? Why can't they give a date? Uh, because, just in case you haven't picked up on your surroundings... There is no more human civilization to have or care about dates. Oh. And let me tell you how fun it was to track that day down with seven vampiros tracking me down. Well, tell us, how fun was it? A lot more fun than an afternoon with you. Hey, 
Guys, I hate to break up this little powwow, but we need to do this thing before the vampiros figure out where we are, come after us, and something about the part where they suck out our innocence and kill us. I recommend we find a place to set up camp and get to work. The flashback nodded in general assent and broke out their hover tents. Molly then wandered over to a swampy puddle and scooped some putrid-looking gunk into a petri dish. Looks like this is going to be more difficult than I thought. What's wrong? Oh, it's just that the textbook said that getting pure goo was nearly impossibly time-consuming. I brought along some equipment so that we could distill it from the swampy muck itself instead of having to go all the way to the heart of the swamp, but it looks like it's going to be pretty tough to get this to work. Well, Molly, if anyone can do it, I know it's you. Er, thanks. Thanks a lot, Max. All right, everybody. I need you all to go get me as much muck as you can and dump it into this cauldron. Molly whipped out her lab goggles and lit a Bunsen burner. The rest of the pack fanned out towards the swamp and started lugging back bucketfuls of swamp muck. So, what exactly is this goo we're collecting supposed to be doing? The goo itself is made up of a compound of- Molly, it's um, great that you know and care about the microatomic qualities of the stuff, but what does it do? Oh, well, keep in mind that this has been widely hypothesized, but never proven. It's just the best idea we've got so far. Once you make the goo into innocence blobs, you can use them to detect the approach of the vampiros. You set them up like a kind of perimeter shield and monitor them. As the vampiros get closer, they will absorb the blob's innocence, simultaneously alerting you to their proximity- Because a giant purple flash of light when they teleport isn't a dead giveaway. And giving them innocence to absorb that isn't yours. That's a good trick. Yes, it is. And I really hope that's how it works. Hey, has anybody seen Dralis? The pack looked around, puzzled at the absence of their friend. Did I not say that you guys just had to get muck from the immediate area? Maybe she found something that looked promising? Maybe I should look for her. (laughs) Hey, how do we know if this is working? The pack leaned forward and stared into Molly's cauldron. A thin film of nasty green goo seemed to be floating on top of the concoction. Molly took out a strainer and scraped some of it out. Um, well, it's greenish, which is good. I just wish they had included a picture of it in my textbook. Didn't you say that there was more concentrated goo somewhere? Yeah, but it's further into the marsh, and we don't have time to fight our way in there on the off chance that we find enough to work with. Can't we send someone in just to get a little sample, just so we can make sure this is working? Everybody considered Jill's idea for a moment, nodded to themselves, and looked pointedly in her direction. What? Me? Why? Because if we sent Keenan, she'd get dirty and then hate us for the rest of forever. Here, take this with you, so you know what you're looking for. Molly handed the grumbling slot of the rest of the goo from the cauldron and shooed her on her way. So anyway, how do we transport these things? If they're goo, won't they sort of reconnect with each other and we'll be back to one big puddle instead of neat little blobs? No. Once they are infused with innocence, they become hard to the touch, but will retain their soft goo qualities, so anyone they're thrown at won't be permanently damaged by them. So they're going to be a lot easier to carry than the cryptogs that we just left with the priests? Yes, as a matter of fact. The shrubbery nearby shook. The flashback jumped, but it was only Dryless, still looking a bit angry and more than a bit crazed, fighting with the blackberry of the future Bramble. After a few scrapes and curses, she whipped out a double-headed extra tightest steel monomolecular axe and hacked the vine to death. Oh, good, Dryless, you're back. We were beginning to get worried. A flash of purple light shot from the sky right next to one of the volcanoes. The vampires are here! Molly, forget the explanation. We've got to get harvesting this stuff. Molly? Molly! When Max turned around, he was just in time to see Molly's body crumple to the ground. Her head was already there, rolling towards Fertress. The catman's eyes bugged out. He yowled, 
jumped, hissed, and as Dralus turned toward him, double-headed axe in hand, he ran behind Max. Molly! Dralus! Dralus, no, stop! Dralus eyed Max, then turned toward Keen, who was immobile with horror. Molly? Molly! Molly! Dralus stepped up to Keen. Keen looked into her eyes, whipped out her handheld incinerator 256, and pointed it at Dralus. Unfortunately, Dralus dispensed with her axe, shoved her hand clean into Keen's abdomen, grabbed a fistful of colon, and yoinked it right out while Jimmy screamed and shrieked like a transport anti theft alarm. Ah! <coughs> Dralus. <coughs> How could you? I. Meanwhile, deep in the Goopy Marshes. Oh, crap, the Vampiros are here. Right, hurry up, Jill. Is this it? No. Ooh, here's some. I, I think this is right. Ah! Slaughter booked it for the pack's camp. Back in said clearing, Dralus chucked Keen's colon at the dumb struck and shaking Jimmy and turned to Max, who had been halted in the middle of coming to Keen's aid by her death. So, Thornfield, what'll it be? Promises of rank? Larger weapons? More weight, in my opinions, during official decisions? A lecture of wrong versus right on this planet? Or were you actually thinking of attacking me? Sorry, baby brother, but I made a better deal. And without so much as a buy your leave, Dralis hefted up her axe and swung. Watching his mentor and idol be sliced like cheese snapped Jimmy out of his state of shock. He dived for Molly's sword, held it like a lance, and charged at Dralis. Ah! Again disregarding her axe, Dralis merely reached out as the teen rushed at her. She shoved her fingernails through his skull and ripped out his occipital lobe in its entirety. Jimmy! Slaughter sank into the overly large collar of her sweater and dove back into the trees. Dralis took a few steps in Slaughter's direction, caught sight of the bramble that had given her so much trouble earlier, which, Slaughter, hopeful, was crouched underneath, and turned back to the body parts that littered the clearing. One, two, three, four. Wait. Molly, Max, Keen, Jimmy. Slaughter's on the marsh. I'll take care of her later. Who am I missing? Virtress! What in the world has happened to Dralis? Where has Virtress disappeared to? Will he and Slaughter escape with their lives? Is this really the end of the flashback as we know it? Tune in for next week's exciting continuation of Epic Echoes, The Possessed. In that episode of Epic Echoes, Guinevere Eckert was the narrator, Nicholas Roach was Max Thornfield, Angela Tymon was Dralis Thornfield, Devin White was Molly Singh, Lynn Nelson was Jill Slaughter, Tong Wen Wong was Sarah Keen, Daniel Schwartz was Jimmy Kovacs, Scape White was Fertress Fuzzbottom, and Charles Berman was Sir William Alfred Wickersham III. The theme song was by Michael, temporary card Mikowski. Yes, thank you very much. And now let's get right to my part of the show. Uh, pardon me, I, I believe you're forgetting something, yes? Uh, no. I was going to go right to uh, my part of the show. No, it's actually my part of the show. Thank you. You forgot this day in history and where are they now in history? Yes, but as the host of the show, I was just going to forego. No, you can't forgo those parts of the show. Just because Jordan said you can take over the podcast for this episode doesn't mean you can leave out entire segments of the show that were made just for this episode. No, you must play my part of the show. You must. I don't think... I must. What, what's going to stop me? Well, how about this? If you don't play my part of the show, I won't stop babbling until you do. You wouldn't. I would do that. In fact, I would do that. Yes, okay, I would yeah, continue I guess you to would. keep talking until you no, stop look, playing my show. No, look, we're just going yes, to go to track of fiction. We're just talking and talking about how do you fiction is insist? Part of the show. Anyway, this is fact, my really frustrating. Part of the show. You are going to be fired from the show. I can fire you, you know. I believe I have that power. If you don't stop that, oh, God, just stop it, please. All right, fine. You can play your part of the show. All right, fine. All right, fine. Thank you. You're welcome. 
Hello and welcome to This Day in History. My name is Rory Sindrin on WHRW, Binghamton. On March 9th, 1997, Christopher Wallace, a.k.a. Biggie Smalls, a.k.a. the Notorious B.I.G., is shot to death at a stoplight in Los Angeles. The murder was apparently the culmination of an ongoing feud between rap artists from the East and West Coasts. Let's go back to 1997. I'm not going to hire you to shoot Biggie Smalls, because you're from the East Coast, not from the West Coast, and therefore you got nothing! To but do I, with this feud, yo. But I have a master's degree in shooting people. I'm obviously overqualified for this job. Ha! Nonsense. They don't make bullets right on the East Coast. They don't work on people from the West Coast out there. It just goes through them without doing any damage. It's gangster physics! But I could buy West Coast bullets. Ha! Dream on! Years of study down the toilet. Now I need to work at McDonald's. Unfortunately, while uh, no charges could be brought uh, for the murder, uh, the man who hired the killer did eventually go to jail for discrimination practices. Uh, this is WHRW Binghamton with This Day in History. But hold up, G. My name's Roy Singer, and this is Where Are They Now in History on Cast and Wax. And I've got the infamizzle that'll make you straight up whack. As I'm sure you all know, that was not the end of the rap feuds of North America. This was further complicated when they realized that there was a North Coast and a South Coast to the United States as well. It became a four-way war with all different directions, coasts fighting right in the middle of the country when all of a sudden they realized we're all from the same coast, the top coast. The coast, you know, that touches the sky. And for a time, rap music was united and everything was wonderful and good until they realized they didn't want to hire people from the bottom coast, you know, the people from the hideous underworld beneath the United States of America. And it was a shame, too, because the Mole Men did have some really sick jams. But those from the upper coast refused to hire those from the lower coast. Eventually, it became a matter for the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court ruled that all rap music must be done by every single person in the United States at the same time in order to stop inequality and discrimination. The entire world joined together in one rousing rendition of Rapper's Delight, and everyone became good friends. They realized there was, in fact, ill no difference what coast you were from, and that you just hire the best person for the job. My name's Rory Sindrin, and this is Where Are They Now in History? I'm Gaston Wax. Alright, thank you for that, Rory. Um, and now let's just get on with it. No, are we not going to at least discuss it for a moment? Uh, fine. Uh, you know, uh, hey, uh, that's really topical because a lot of people are looking for jobs and uh, they're probably being discriminated against. I uh, was just looking for a job myself and I was being discriminated against pretty regularly. Were you really? Oh, uh, yeah. I, I mean, I don't know why else they wouldn't have hired me, so yeah, I would assume. But what would they have? No, look, look that doesn't make any sense. When when they're talking about discrimination, there's, there's got to be something they're discriminating against. And unless, I suppose they could be discriminating against, you know, jerks. But as far as I know, there's no protection for jerks in the Constitution at this time. Well, they could be protecting against, you know, in in they could be prejudiced against sm- smart people or or people who just had a lot of money and then lost it. it there's no protection for them in the Constitution either, so I didn't really see why that would be relevant either. Well, I ju- I'm just saying hey, that... Hey, look, Dad's here! Oh, Jordan, are you... Jordan? Hi, guys, how's it going? How's the show? going so far. It's going fine. We don't have any problems at all. Well, he almost didn't play my part of the show. But I did play your part of the show, so it's going fine. Good. Yeah, that's fine. I mean, I I don't, you know, it's just, I I don't know. I don't know, guys. I don't know what gives life meaning, really, when it all comes down to it. I mean, why, why is the world even worth anything? You know, what, what's, what's the real value of the world? Maybe it is just a joke. Maybe it is just a, a real cruel joke. And and that's all there is, is just human suffering. And, and they will tear each other down no matter what. I mean, this movie, this movie's proof, right? What value could there be in the world of comics if this is what it comes to? 
it, it makes this. Well, Jordan, um, look at this. Look at it this way. There is another reality where the movie that came out, rather than being a bastardization of the book, it was in fact very close to the book in many ways, and yet in very subtle but distinctly important ways, it was just off. So much so that from a superficial look, people who saw the movie and read the book might say, "Oh, it's, it's pretty much the same thing," and people would watch the movie instead and then come away from it with a very different idea than they would get if they had just read the book in the first place. But then when they read the book later to get more of a full picture, their view of it has been tainted by the film and in fact makes it so that the book is in fact devalued because of the film. At least that didn't happen, isn't that true? The world is a miserable place. You know, when Rorschach said he would say no to those whores and, and, and hypocrites, I, I didn't get it and now... I, I, maybe I get it. Uh, Jordan, I was actually thinking, um, maybe on next week's show, since I don't have a Frank Allen segment, since there's no Tractor Fiction or Debatatorium, but next week's show, instead of the Scapey story, I could do an interview. What? What do you think of that? Yeah. I mean, what do I care? I, you know, it's just, the world will still sink deeper into despair, whether it's a Scapey story or a Frank Allen interview. No, wait, no. So, whatever. Like, does it make a difference? <laughs> no, thank, no, it's fine. Thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go. Go. No, please, go ahead. <laughs> oh, that was good. Frank, you know, that was very manipulative of you. Yeah, I know. That was great. Escape? Sorry about that. No, you're not. You told my story. You're getting your story this time. You're getting your show this time, too. You get to be on every show, then, and I get to be on rest shows. Well, I think it's fair, because you get to do one, and I get to do one. It's back and forth. Yeah, but you have a different show. And you act in other shows. Oh, yeah, but it's different. So are you. So, maybe. It's, my point is... I m miss out. Sorry. You're not sorry. I'm not sorry. I'm not sorry. Um, so, so you heard that here first, ladies and gentlemen. Next week, a Frank Allen interview returns to Cast and Wax. Because of Jordan's apathy? Because of Jordan's apathy. Yes, yes, very much so. So, now let's get to Tractor Fiction. Hopefully you all will enjoy that because it is the Frank Allen segment of the show. This is Frank Allen here on WHRW Binghamton. Um, welcome to Tractor Fiction. Uh, here, here on Tractor Fiction, we uh, we take a look at the work of uh, Jack Chick, and we then we have a little debate about it afterwards. Uh, this is a very special edition because it is, of course, Halloween night, uh, when supposedly, as we learned during other tracks, uh, children are being killed and things like that. But um, this... This, uh, this tract is called Happy Halloween. Now, this is, oddly enough, not a tract about children, uh, sacrifices or, or, uh, evil, uh, witchcraft or anything like that. Uh, but, nevertheless, uh, it's about Halloween anyway. So, there you are. Why don't we just get right into the tract, uh, so I don't, uh, jabber more. Here we go. Happy Halloween. It was a dark and oh-so-mysterioso Halloween when three boys went tromping through their neighborhood, a neighborhood just like the one you live in. The boys were too old to be dressed in costume for Halloween, but even so, they'd gotten it into their heads to check out a haunted house that had been set up nearby. The house was all decked out with Halloween decorations. Jack-o'-lanterns, spiderwebs, tombstones, full-sized replicas of Jason Voorhees. Hey, there it is. Let's do it. My mom said not to. Come on, chicken. Ugh, spiderwebs. I, I don't like this. The boys entered the house, parting the webs with their hands as they pressed on, when suddenly, 
a giant spider dropped from the ceiling. Run! The boys ran like the cold wind that blew through the land of the dead, and once in the next room, they stopped to catch their breath. (sighs) I was never so scared! Look! It's a witch! Indeed, Timmy was right. A witch stood across the room from the boys, stirring her cauldron. She doesn't scare me! Happy Halloween! Goodbye! And with that, a trap door opened beneath the boys, and they fell into darkness. They landed on a pile of hay with a thud. Hachi machi! Ow! Ow! There! What's uh, that? Before them was a circle of flames, surrounded by every hideous beast they could possibly imagine. In the center of the menagerie of creatures sat one horned man bethroned. He was clearly the master over this inhuman rabble. He opened his snarling lips, revealed his fangs, and spoke. Welcome to the abyss! You'll be spending eternity with us! No way! We're out of here! The boys burst into another run, speeding off like they were being chased by the devil himself, which, I suppose, was what they actually thought at the time. They ran and ran and did not stop running once they got out of the house, even when they got near the road, which, as you know, has cars driving on it. Timmy, look out! Crap! But it was too late. Timmy ran out into the road, and a screech and a thud later, he was dead. The paramedics arrived, but they could do nothing for the boy. I'm Charlton Heston, in addition to being an actor, I'm also a paramedic, here to say that I'm sorry... We lost the child. By guns! I can't believe Tim is gone! It could have been any one of us. But as lousy of a time as the two surviving boys were having, Timmy was having it even worse. A group of black spirits had arrived and pulled his soul out of his mutilated corpse. Hey, that's me! Not anymore! You're dead! The spirits pulled Timmy down through darkness into the underworld. Before him was an even bigger circle of flames, surrounded by beasts more hideous than he could possibly have imagined. In the center of the menagerie of creatures sat a much scarier and more realistic horned, bethroned man. He opened his more snarlinger lips, revealing his fangier fangs, and spoke. Oh, hey, it's you. Welcome to the abyss, Timmy. You'll be here for eternity. Because you died in your sins. Sorry. Crap. The next day, back on the mortal plane, the two remaining boys were despondent. If I listened to you, Mom, Timmy wouldn't be dead. Eh, at least he's in heaven. Right, Mrs. Baxter? Oh, how I wish he was, Bobby. I cried all night when I heard he was dead. I loved that boy. He was in my Sunday school class and was one of my favorites. But he refused to repent of his sins and give his life to Christ. He was more concerned with impressing his worldly friends Not you, boys. I mean his cool friends. So he quit Sunday school yesterday. I explained to Timmy one last time that Jesus was the only way to heaven. But he said, When I get old, I'll think about Jesus. But until then, I don't want to talk about him. He laughed at me and said I was a fanatic. (laughs) Fanatic? It broke my heart. Bobby... That decision caused your friend to be sent to hell forever. Look, lady, that's impossible. Timmy was a good kid. Don't make the mistake of believing that good people go to heaven and bad people go to hell. That's a lie straight from the devil. We all deserve to go to hell because we're all sinners. Well, then nobody has a chance to get into heaven. Not true, Bobby, because God loves us. He made a way for anyone to get to heaven. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, 
to earth to die for us. We deserve to be punished for our sins, but Jesus took our punishment for us on the cross. Those who believe in Jesus as their Savior go to heaven, but those who reject him go to hell. All right, all right, all right. Let me get this straight. Lady, you're telling me that being a good person won't get me into heaven. No, Bobby. You must accept God's love gift, Jesus Christ. Hey, so if uh, Timmy hadn't done that, he'd have gone to heaven? That's right, but he turned the Lord down. Hey, is he going to get a second chance? No, Bobby. Once you die, it's settled forever. All right, right. Jesus, Miss Baxter, I don't, I don't want to turn down God's way into heaven. Then turn away from your sins, Bobby, and give your wife to Jesus. All right, all right. Here's the deal. Lord Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for me. I'm sorry for my sins, and um, I'm going to ask you to forgive me. Uh, please come into my heart and save me right now. I feel so safe. I know I'll get into heaven when I die. Eh, I'll never forget this Halloween. Uh, and that's, um, the end of the track. Uh, amazing, amazing stuff, uh, with, uh, saving and Halloween stuff. Okay, uh, so, as always, we have a debate on the subject matter of that tract. Um, and once again, I do want to remind everybody that we have, uh, it's, we have a lot of, uh, we, we, we spare no expense to get the best debaters on the show. Uh, we get people who are experts in their field, respected by pretty much everybody, uh, and they, they know about this argument. I, we, since, we've actually been planning this show since last Halloween because, uh, because last Halloween we didn't get very good experts, but this, we said right away, we're going to get the best experts. They've been planning since this last Halloween for this very debate. Uh, so let me introduce you to debater number one. Hi. Hi there. Uh, what's your name? Uh, I am, uh, I'm Magnavox, and I'm a, a tape deck. I'm sorry, uh, you are named Magnavox? Yeah, that, that's the, that's the word about my little tape deck thing. You're a tape deck? Yes, I huh. sing songs. You sing songs. Do you, um, um, are you able to say things that weren't put into you by someone else? Well, clearly, I'm a very intelligent tape deck. Okay, well, that's, uh, the first I've ever seen, and, uh, debater number two. Hello. Hi there. My name is Mistress Mayhem. Hi there. Um, how are you? I'm excellent, thank you. Okay, um, so, now, that is to say, uh, Mistress Mayhem, of course, believes, as we all know, that this tract, uh, is true, and of course, I'm sure you knew that Magnavox, the tape deck, believes that this tract is false. As always, we let the, um, attacker, so to speak, go first, so, Magnavox, why don't you tell us why this tract is completely not true? Well, okay, first of all, everything I know, you should know, I learned from the greats. Rolling Stones, the Beatles, the, the Who, Led Zeppelin, all that great stuff. And uh, I've been to a lot of places because I am, in fact, tape deck in a car. And uh, I say that the most I know of Halloween is the Monster Mash. The devil went down to Georgia, and he was looking for a soul to steal it. He was in a bind, but Johnny beat him. And I know this, I know this, because I, I played this music, and if... If I said that, you know, the, the devil was defeated already, then, you know, it's got to be true. Okay. Um, so you're saying, I'm sorry, so you're saying that the devil has already been defeated, therefore there is no hell. That's right. He went down to Georgia and uh, he was in a bind. And now, now, how did he get to yeah. Georgia from hell? Like, is he allowed to leave hell? I thought he was this kind of in prison. This is considered one of the great mysteries of music. Oh, do we have, a, we have an expert apparently already? Um, wow, that was quick. Yes. Magnavox asked me to come in simply to prove this point. Oh. Um, Yes. My name is The Traveler. I am an expert on the transportation system. Oh, okay. No, thank you for coming. Well, simply to enlighten you, in order for 
the devil to get to Georgia from hell, he would first have to take the number five to 8th Street and then take the red line all the way down to the Pacific Ocean, at which point he'd probably hop a plane. Okay. Uh, that's, well, okay, that's physically, all right. Um, that's fine. That's very helpful. Uh, debater number two, uh, one, I'm, uh, which is to say, oh, Mistress Mayhem. Yes, you. Yes. Uh, how do you rebuttal against that, uh, quite compelling devil's already destroyed argument? Well, I just happen to know through my own personal experience that because I personally reaffirm and repeat the crucifixion of Christ every day in my, uh, sadomasochism routine that obviously it proves that this tract is true so you reenact the death of christ god yes for pleasure well everyone's life involves a thin line that we walk between pain and pleasure well okay and jesus was no exception are you implying that jesus enjoyed the crucifixion i really couldn't say but how could he not what how could he not does anybody else want to rebuttal that? Because I think well, that, I, I just can oh, I bring up a quote you, from the tract. You can so bring up a quote, please. Well, I think that uh, the fact that Jesus quote took our punishment for us on the cross shows that he was very much into submission. Well, hold on now. If that's true, wouldn't that have? If let's say that's true, okay. Let's say it, yes, it, it, is. it is true. Uh, wouldn't wouldn't that be kind of selfish of him? Because maybe you wanted to be punished, obviously, or you want somebody else did, so to speak. Well, it does quote that we deserve to be punished for our sins, and isn't that the ultimate testament of? Uh, or, uh, uh, excuse me, I wasn't finished. Okay, boy. Ex- uh, par- pardon me now. But I was saying that because we deserve to be punished for our sins, and he took that punishment from us that we deserve, that is the ultimate form of torture. <laughs> okay. Um. And you are consider yourself a Christian, then? Of course. Okay. Uh, Magnavox, do you want to? Uh, yeah, I do actually have something to say to that. Um, Jesus is just all right with me, as the Doobie Brothers did indeed teach me in my long career, but, but, the man is also too big and too strong, as the Dire Straits said. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I have an expert here, though, uh, uh, well, who can... Uh... Okay, first of all, I don't pretend to be an expert, but I do, however, know enough heavy metal to know that the devil is alive and well. Oh, Yes, um, you can just you can just go through the black metal bands of Norway. Uh, there were you know bands that have tried to burn churches. Let me tell you, classic rock. Classic rock is obviously all this cassette knows. There are a lot of genres that. Is this true? Excuse me, excuse me, but no. the The last heavy metal, the last heavy metal tape that was that that I I had the privilege to play was uh, was Metallica, and um, it it almost it almost destroyed what album? my my I I don't know I can't read. Oh. Um, I, it almost destroyed my, my entire deck, you know? It had to, it had to be, like, pulled out of me with a pair of tweezers. Oh, like, a, it all got all unspooled It was unspooled a horrible, horrible stuff. experience. It was like being raped. Oh, wow. I'm I wish sorry. I could cite a counterexample, but I don't, I listen to it, but I don't know, because I can't read either. But, um, let me, uh, say that, um, a lot of it's very pro-Satan, and the other aspect of it is I'm a cop in this town. Oh, And let me well, tell you something. Timmy was a deeply, deeply stupid individual. Everybody around here believes that he... Look, there's a reason he died and those other kids, too, lived. I mean, witnesses cited that the other kids ran across the street where Timmy just sort of stared at a car for, like, 30 seconds. We kind of wondered what was up with that boy. Darwin killed him just as much as Jesus. Okay, well, um... That's that's one way of looking at it. I think uh, Timmy's parents might see it a little differently, but uh, well, they're fools. Oh, well, you, know, you can't always get what you want, but if you try sometimes, you might just find you get what you need. 
Do you think that's true? So the Rolling Stones do tell us. Oh, uh, we have another expert. I, I'm no expert. I just walked in off the street. Oh, well, welcome. Does uh, anybody, hold on. Did Cindy, is anybody minding the door? Cindy, no? Sorry, sir. It will be minded. S- Cindy? Oh, sorry. Um, no, yeah. I am the temp. <laughs> okay, temp, mind the door, please. All right, Minding! Well, now that you're here, you might as well. Well, I mean, I live in this town, and I have my whole life, and I just wanted to say, I mean, you know, Magnavox here can keep her sympathy for the devil, um, but I believe, I, now I believe this, that, that this tract is wrong. Because I don't believe that uh, that the Lord would call this boy up to heaven and then just strike him down to hell. I think that's just wrong. If Timmy was taken from us at his young age, I believe that it was the Lord that called him. Now, but what if he specifically didn't believe in Jesus? Now, I don't know where that Sunday school teacher gets off. I don't know. Well, I do. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Excuse me, but I know exactly what I'm talking about. Well, you are uneducated. Goodness gracious, we got everybody in the world in the room here. Well, welcome. Now, do you actually teach Sunday school? Yes, yes, I do. I teach Sunday school, and I I raise good little boys and girls. Okay. Um. Hi, Miss Baxter. Do you know Mrs. Baxter? Of course. I told you I was a Christian. We are good friends. I saved her soul. She sure did. Your soul's been saved. Mm-hmm. What? How? And how did that change your life? What difference did it make in your life? Well, did you? Did you? I was for example, forced to accept God's gift. God's. Love gift, as it says in the track. Yes, it does say that. Love gift. I Quote, saw that. God's love gift. You were forced to accept a love gift. and God, um, yes. And that was good. It's the only way to be saved. It moved you? Oh, I was moved. Now, did you stop? Did you do any less sinning afterwards? No. Well, no? Okay, hold now. But, but it doesn't. The tract says we don't need to be a good well, person to get into heaven. No, we just need to accept Jesus. So now that I've done that and I'm saved, I can do all the naughty, delicious things I want. Well, hold on. See, now that that, that raises my question. I'm an officer of the law. Don't get too naughty here. Yeah, don't. Yeah, you don't might want to might want to confess to anything on the air. Um, but let me just let you know. No, this is my take question. That this is my question. Me. I'm going to have to cancel your appointment. Hold on. Do you know Mrs. Baxter as I'm sorry, not Mrs. Baxter. You know Miss Mayhem as well? Mistress. Mistress. Mayhem. May- I'm not calling you Mistress. Call me Mistress. That sounds like a pseudonym to me. So do you do you know her? Have you met before? Uh, I haven't met her. I have not had the, the fortune of uh, meeting this lady in person. I have Miss Mrs. Back. I have met Miss Baxter before. She's a classy lady. She's oh, classy. Yes. No, I'm I saved his soul too. You're, you're in no, he, she's in no trouble with the law. She's not disreputable, for example. No, I went to Sunday school with her as well. Okay. He was one of the first wait, hold on. You went I to saved. You, wait, were you in her class or did you go with her? Um Well, I was in her class. I was an adult, but I realized I had to be saved. Okay. Uh, all right. That's you know how what? we know each this, other. Hold on. This now this debate is really kind of crazy. What I want to know is okay, Mistress Small Mayhem. Town. I mean we do all know each other. Well, okay, well, <laughs> I guess that's what I get for coming to a town like this and uh, bringing my show here for hey, Halloween. Love it or leave it. I'm, I love it. It's great. Let Is me it wrong finish. The most intelligent person here is Tape Deck. It probably. Uh, hey, what about me? Well, uh, I installed you, Tape Deck. Oh. Pardon me, but without me, you would have no music with which to drive. May I? May I? I uh, cite a few drunk driving. F M. Uh oh. Wow. I am attached to your radio. You take All right. me out and you have no hold music. On. All right, hold slave. on. Hold on, Magnavox. I'm going to I'll come back to you in just a second. I want to ask Mistress Mayhem a question. Mistress Mayhem, it says, yes, it does say in in the tract that uh that you shouldn't just believe that good people go to heaven and bad people go to hell. Does that mean so and the implication being that Timmy is a good person and yet he still goes to hell. Indeed. Does that mean that bad people go to heaven? Well, if they accept Jesus, of course. But are they still bad even after they accept Jesus? 
Well, that's their own personal choice. That's their own personal choice? Jesus doesn't mind who he saves. He'll be like, yeah, yeah, keep killing. I love you. Well, I can't really be certain about those who kill, as in that is something that I'm not familiar with. All right, we have another expert on this, I think. Hello. Hi. I am a master of shady sophistry and false chains of reasoning. Oh, good. And it seems to me that if bad people go to heaven, yeah. clearly everything is okay, because they have accepted Jesus into their heart, and so already forgiven themselves for anything they will ever do. So they can see in all they want, and there is no problem. Because they're pre- so By the way, Mistress Mayhem, Forgive here me. is the $16 that I owe you. Thank you very much. Thank you, boy. I, I see no hole in this logic at all, because seriously, I'm a cop, I keep him good on earth, Jesus keeps him good in heaven. Now, hold on a second. Is there it's, anybody in this we've room- we divided this up cleanly. Is there anybody in this room who's not a client of Mistress Mayhem? Uh, yeah, I am. I'm not. I don't have any you, genitalia. You just said- I have- That's- What is- ge- I have a no- Inanimate object rule. That's probably for the best, and I doubt that the I have no need of her services. would like being abused. Thank you. Everybody else in the room is? Um, I have never used her. Then why did you just pay? Because I use him. Oh, God. <laughs> We've never actually used her services. We do accept her bribes to uh, oh, not bust her. I use her services. This is ridiculous. You know All what right. I think? I think, as a tape deck, that God must be watching us from a distance, because this is getting sick. All right, uh, tape deck, you, uh, Richard say Magnavox, uh, please, I need your closing arguments. Okay, this track is clearly false. I've been all over the United States in this idiot's car. I have seen many, many strange things from the front seat to the back seat. I have played much good music, I have played much bad music, and I have never seen anything that tells me that a trap door is going to open and some mythological devil that has already, by the way, been defeated by a fiddler should devour the souls of innocent young boys. And, uh, mistress? Well, as a member of the fetish community and having attended many fetish conventions all around the world, and the many reenactments of Christ's crucifixion that I've seen, it just proves to me, and I hope to all of you, that it is true that accepting Jesus and realizing the punishment that he suffered for us is the only way to get into heaven. So... The punishment equals heaven. Yes. That's a compelling argument. Let me uh, just uh, flip this here. Coin and oh, uh, mistress, I got some bad news. Uh, you're not going to go to heaven because Magnavox was right. Oh, touche. Uh, well, actually, I guess maybe you are going to heaven because the devil's been defeated. I, I guess that's what it really means. So God everybody goes Charlie to heaven. Daniels. We're all set. Yes, indeed. There's not a problem. Devil's done for. Who, how did he, he got defeated? All Thank right. Thank you, Johnny, wherever you are. So. <laughs> God bless Johnny. It's kind of an uplifting message on this tractor fiction where we say there's no such thing as the devil and therefore we're all in heaven. If, if the devil's beat, mistress, are you busy later? I'll have you talk to my secretary. Here's my business okay, card. Okay, no, not in the, not in the studio. Come on. You can't do business. And there's a cop right here. Yeah, come on. How stupid do you think I am? I'm not that stupid. I don't do anything illegal unless they ask me to. All right, what can I get for this quarter? No, uh, I can't talk about that. Let's go. <laughs> we gotta go, uh, away from Tractor Fiction. Uh, bye everybody. Thank you for listening. This is Frank Allen. Happy Halloween. <laughs> That episode of Tractor Fiction featured the voice talents of Frank Allen, Anna Call, Scott Finbo, Justin Ha, Ryan LaRanger, Daniel Schwartz, Samuel Thomason, Jacob Thompson, Angela Tymon, Elijah Weberhan, 
and Jordan D. White. Thanks, Rory. That's good of you to announce. Now, uh, it is time for the Scapey Story segment of the show. Now, as you all know, next week there will be no Scapey Story segment of the show because there will be a Frank Allen interview segment of the show. Because you're a cheating, cheat, die or cheat. No, I didn't lie. And only in a certain sense did I cheat. I mean, really, I didn't cheat. I think... That you did. Look, it's time for your show. Do you want to introduce it or not? I do. So, I'm gonna. Good. All right, well, this is a show that we recorded earlier. Um, it was recorded before Dad saw the Watch movie, so he was kind of okay then. So you hear, he was like, happy, happy Dad, and now he's like, poopy, poopy Dad. So, anyway, uh, time for show, and it's, and coincidence, <laughs> it's got a superhero in it. Scabby Stories From a Cat in the Dark Hello and welcome to Scabby Stories from a Cat in the Dark My name is Jordan D. White and this is the show in which Scapey tells scary stories to a guest every week And what an amazing show it is Well, possibly every week Every week Possibly This week we do have a very special guest Former member of the Earth Guard Superhero the Jack. Well, hello, everybody. It's really great to be here. My name's The Jack, and I am a superhero. I'm here to protect you. Don't worry about it. This is going to be a scary story. But everybody, you don't have to be scared, because I'll protect you. Well, you can't really protect them for two reasons. First of all, um, it's only a story, so there's nothing to protect from. And second of all, the scariness of the story will get into their heads no matter what, <laughs> and they'll be scared. Okay, well, that's fine. But it's just a story, so it's okay. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Okay. All right. Um, so shall we begin? Yes. This this one's called From What Strange Yet by Blanche Payne Cooter. Okay, so like, once upon a time, I was on a cruise, a sea cruise, okay, in a boat, and, and I saw this woman, and I was like, hmm, she looks very familiar, I wonder what that's all about. Oh well, do 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 and I went about my business, but I was, it was sort of nagging at me. So the next day, uh, I saw her again, and I was like, okay, and like, a song came on the radio, and I was like, I got it, I know her, and I realized how I knew her. I met her at a party, like, like, Seven years earlier, okay? All right, I'm a little confused. Um, did the song help you remember her? Did she sing the song at the party? Well, I, I don't, I don't know. I can't really tell exactly how it crewed me in, but it did crew me in. Maybe I heard that song at the party. It's like one of those tricks of the mind, you know, like, who can tell why one thing reminds you of another? Well, usually I can follow a train of thought. You know, if I, if, if one thing makes me think of something else, then I can go backwards. No, and... look, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. The point is, I I met her at a party, okay? All right. It was, it was like a, a crazy party, and a lot of us were, like, hanging out, having a good time, doing crazy stuff, do 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 And at one point, we started to do, like, spooky stuff, you know, like, telling the future, or, like, doing, doing Ouija's stuff, maybe. You gotta be really careful with that, because that could unleash evil spirits. Well, maybe, but uh, that, it was fine. Luigi was whatever, and future, whatever. Were you time traveling? Is that what the future thing was about? No, no, not time, no, like, like fortune telling. Oh. Yeah, so. That stuff's not real, Scape. It's, that it's a story, okay? It's just a story. All right. Besides, Voodoo Lady would disagree with you. Yeah, so anyway, moving on. So we were playing all these spooky games, right? And it was getting close to midnight, and so we were like, oh, uh, let's play a game card. 
<laughs> Invite the guest. <laughs> well, presumably they would have done that before the party. No, it's a it's a special. Here's how. No, it's not regular inviting of guests because they did do that. Obviously, that's why we were having a party. But this one was like, okay, here's how it works. A girl goes in a room all by herself, okay, and you've set the table for dinner for two, okay, and she sits at one side and at the other side at the stroke of midnight. Her future husband will appear and go to his other side. It's it's like a spooky, magical future thing, okay? All right. So, this girl, and I've just remembered, her name is Erin, okay? Uh, this girl was like, oh, I guess I'll do it. Because we were all like, come on, somebody got to do it. Somebody got to do it. And all the girls were like, oh, yeah, we're too scared. Being worses. And Erin was like, all right, I guess I'll do it. I don't really want to, but I will. And we were like, yay, okay. So, she went in, and it was getting close to midnight, and she went in, and she sat there, and we closed the door, and we were like, this is going to be crazy. And uh, the chime chimed for midnight. And we were like, oh, she's going to come out now and tell us what happened. And we waited, and uh, she didn't come out. And we were like, what's going on? And we waited a little longer, and we eventually we were like, forget this. And we opened the door, and uh, there was nobody there. And we went, wait, she went out the other door. And we ran out the other door after her, and she was upstairs in a bedroom with the door closed. And we were like, hey, what happened? Let us in. And she was like, no, I'm tired. I'm going to bed. Good night. And we were like, what the? And the next day, she was like, I gotta go. Bye. And she left, and we didn't ever find out what happened. And we were sort of like, what happened? You know? Because we knew that she was, like, really nice, and she was very gentle. Like, she would help, like, animals. If an animal was, like, hurt, she would be like, oh, little animal. And she would give it, like, a band-aid or whatever. Well, that's very good of her. I mean, if, if an animal's in trouble, you gotta help it out. Unless the child's in trouble. Well, no, there was no child in trouble. She would just, she would help animals. Like, if there was a little wounded thing, she'd be like, oh, we're wounded fang. And if you told her a story about something getting hurt, she'd be like, oh, no, no, oh, no. It, like, it, it would be right it hurt her. Again, that's very understandable. Well, it, she did understand. So, anyway, so I was like, well, that was Erin. I wonder if she remembers me, but she didn't look like she did. And I looked back, oh, and she, and not only was she on this cruise, right? She was there, and there was a little kid. And I was like, oh, wait, you know what? I remember, I heard that she got married, and, uh, that then she had, like, a kid, and then her husband died. So that's probably her kid over there. But anyway, I was, I was kind of like, oh, maybe I should say something to her. But then I was like, well, maybe not. Because I can't tell if she remembers who I am. She doesn't look like she does. And she's got a kid. And like, you know, she, she suffered and stuff. I, I probably shouldn't bother her, I guess. Well, if you used to be friends with her, she'd probably enjoy hearing from you. Well, you would think that. But I was just, I, was, I wasn't sure. I was like, maybe I will wait or whatever. And so the next day, okay, it was kind of, it was really rough on the sea. I mean, the boat was like shaking a lot. Like they do, yes. And I, I, well, yeah, and I was like, uh, I was up on the deck running around and walking around and there was not a lot of people around because it was so rough. But I was still walking as I was doing a walk around and at one point I was like, what did you, did you hear that? What? What did you hear? No, I'm, in the story, I was like, did I hear something? Oh, Okay. Yeah, and I, and I was like, what, what was it? It sounded like a little squeak or something, or, wow, or something. What was it? Well, I, that's, I think, I looked, and I was like, I don't see anything. Is it, there's like a carpet over there on top of that chair, but what, I don't know. Okay, but anyway, so I kept walking, and I was walking again. And when I got to around the same place again, I heard it again. I was like, squeak, 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 squeak or, wow, wow, or something like that. And I was like, what is that? What is that thing breaking that noise? Is it under this blanket, like, thrown over a deck chair? Let me look. And I pulled back the blanket, and there, right there, okay, was 
Aaron's son. Right. Oh my gosh, was he okay? Well, listen, he was there and he was doing something really horribly terrible to a little kitten. What? Yeah, he was like doing something really, really hideously bad, bad, hideous to a kitten, okay? And I was like, what the? What was he doing? I, I would rather not say it was really unspeakable. Well, what could it have been? Well, it was just, look, just imagine the worst thing that you can possibly Everything. Oh, that's pretty bad. Well, it's probably, it might not be, it might, might not be that bad, but it was really bad, okay? So, he was doing, and he was, I was a kitten, so, and I was like, what are you doing? And I, he looked at me, and he was like, oh, he didn't really say anything. So I grabbed this little kid, and picked him up by his shirt, and I was like, what are you doing, you crazy kid? And the kitten, he dropped the kitten, and he, the kid, like, said something to me, he was like, something, but. Well, what did he say? Did he have an explanation for himself? No. No, that's what I'm saying. Like, he was like, he's like, blah, 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 blah. He, like, he didn't speak proper. He was saying something, but it's like, you couldn't understand him. It was like, he had some sort of really hideous speech impediment. Like, blah, 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 blah. what? Well, that, that, that's the point. You couldn't understand what he was saying. So, I was like, what the? And I shook him. I was like, you don't do that. And I put him down, and he, like, smiled at me. Like, this real happy smile. Like, haha. And then he jogged off. And I, I, I'm looking down at this poor kitten. I picked up the kitten. Was he okay? Well, it was like, it was so hideously, like, like, mauled. Oh, God. So I just, I had to just, I couldn't bear to look at it. I just had to throw it into the ocean. I just threw it right in. What? Why would you do that? Whatever option could I have? It was like so, it was like, oh man, you don't even know. It was like really bad off, okay? It did not want to be alive. That doesn't mean it wants to drown. No, it was better. Look, it was better off. That's why I know. It was better off, okay? I just find that a little hard to believe. Well, you didn't see it. It was, oh my God. Anyway, look, okay? So, so the rest of the day, I was just going around like, oh my god, that was such a terrible rule. And I was just trying to keep my mind off of it. But later in the night, I saw her, Erin, with her little kid. And she had her arm around him and they had like a little like shawl wrapped around him so that you could like, so they were like bundled in. Because it was real cherry, okay? Alright. And so I, w- I was like, you know what? That's it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go say something because first of all, I want to talk to her anyway just to talk about our times. And second of all, her kid is crazy. I want to talk to her about it. Well, good. Maybe you can help her. Maybe she can get the kid the help he needs. Clearly, this is not a well kid. Well, he wasn't a well kid, but all right, well, listen to what happens. I'll tell you. Good. That's the point. Yeah. Anyway, look, I walked up to her and she looked at me and she was like, yes, I, yes, I know who you are, okay? I knew you right away. And I was like, oh, I, I know you too right away, like, on the second day. And so we both, we all, all three of us, like, sat down, and I, I looked at her, and she was making a grimace, like, grimace. And I, and I looked, and at the, under the shawls, there was, like, a twitch, a twitch, twitch arm. She had a twitchy arm? Well, I was, you couldn't tell what it was, but it was, like, something like that. And so I was, like, what the? And I pulled, I grabbed the shawl, and I pulled it back. And under the shawl, the kid had been, like, pinching her arm really hard, like, pinching like that. Oh. Yeah, I know. And so, and so the kid was like, he knew I was going to get mad at him, so he was like, <laughs> and he, he smiled and said something to his mom, like, <laughs> and then he ran off. <laughs> and I was like, what is going on with your crazy kid? And she was like, yeah, nobody's ever caught him doing that. And I was like, he doesn't know what? And she was like, yeah, 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 he doesn't know what. What's the deal? And she was like, all right, well, I'll tell you. 
here's what's going on. You know I was married, but everybody said when I got married that it was love at first sight, okay? But it wasn't because um, it wasn't the first time I saw him. I saw him one time before. <laughs> As you recall, we did a game where we did the, the husband part. Do you remember when I, to- I told you that earlier in the story? Yes, the, yeah, inviting the guest, yeah, the, at the party, the spooky party. Right, right, right. So, she says, well, when that happened, here's what happened. I was like, oh, this is a scary game. I don't think anything will happen. And she came in and she sat there, da 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 And midnight struck and the door opened and she looked up and it was like, oh, it's going to be one of my friends going blah, 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 whatever. But she looked up and it was somebody she never saw before. Okay, and he was in a military outfit, and he had a sword at his side. So he, so he came in and took off the sword and put it down at the side of his chair, sat down in the other chair, and started eating his dinner. And she was, like, so freaked out, okay? So she was, like, couldn't even look at his face because she was so scared. But she looked at his ring really closely, and she knew exactly what it was like. And after he finished eating, he just kind of got up and left. But he left his sword there, and she was just like, oh, my. So she got up and she grabbed the sword and went upstairs. And that's when me and my friends ran, like, ran in and saw she wasn't there, etc. But she was upstairs with the sword. She she hid the sword in her stuff and took it with her the next day. And then, so she was like, oh my god. And every day she thought about this guy and the, the parts of his face that she did bring herself to work at, she would remember. And she was, like, totally freaked out by this. Well, that's understandable. I mean, I don't even know how I would react if I saw the man I was going to marry. I mean, that would be really bizarre. The man, the man you were going to I mean, the, I mean the woman. You know, like if, if I was in her place is what I'm saying. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Yeah, okay. Anyway, so look. <laughs> anyway, um, she she thought about this guy she was going to marry. <laughs> and uh, she looked at the sword and was like, oh my gosh. Um, and eventually she met him again for the first time. And he never read on that he recognized her. He was just like, oh, nice to meet you. Da-da-da-da-da. Even when he took that exact same ring and gave it to her as, like, a promise to marry you, Ring, okay? He never said anything. So they got married, and, um, she got pregnant with his baby, okay? And one day, it was just too much. She was just like, look, I have to tell you something, okay? And he was like, what? And she's like, okay, we did this game, you, like, I, like I told you about. Remember the game we were talking about just a minute ago? That's what she said to her husband? No, I'm saying that to you. Do you remember? I don't have to say it again, do I? Well, okay, no, not if you don't want to. Go ahead. Okay, so she was like, remember that? Uh, she was like, uh, we played this game, blah, 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 blah. and, uh, she showed him the sword. It was like, see, it was, I saw it, and it was a friend, the thing, and blah, 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 And he was like, oh, you've sent me away. Goodbye. And then he disappeared. And he never came back. So she never saw him again. She was just like, what the, what the, where did he go forever? I don't understand. So she was totally freaked out, but she still had the baby. And when the baby was born, it was this baby that is the one, the child that grew up, okay? And he looked just like his father. But he didn't speak at all. And so a while later, for years, he didn't didn't say anything, like, for a couple of years. And eventually, though, he started talking. But he just started talking all at once. He was just like, yes, I can talk, so there, blah, 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 whatever, you know? Like, he didn't talk like a baby, he just talked like a person. That's a little weird. Yeah, it's totally weird. Then one day, he was like, I want to do this. And she was like, no. And he was like, oh, yeah, well, guess what? And he said, like, such crazy, hideous things. Like, you cannot even breathe. Like, he just was, like, cutting right into her, okay? With his words. She could not even believe that he said such crazy terrible things. And then when he finished, he, like, smiled and just went off. But from that moment on, 
she was like totally scared of him. It was like, he's going to go crazy any minute. So then one day, he, she was sewing, and he came up and was like, hey, give me that, I'll do what I want. And she was like, no, get off. And he started freaking out and, and doing the rah, 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 saying stuff. And at the end of it, he he went right up in her face and went, eh, and stuck his tongue out. Eh. And so she was just like, oh yeah? And grabbed her scissors and just was like, a chop! And just chopped into his tongue, okay? Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, that's pretty funny, right? No, you can't do that to a child. That's terrible. Yeah, but what he just said, and then he stuck his tongue out. It doesn't matter. You can't chop a child's tongue off. That's terrible. Well, okay, Rook. Let me just finish this story. It's almost done. Well, I hope it gets better from here. Well, well, I'll tell you. So, anyway, the point is she chopped his tongue, and that's why he talks funny, okay? And then she was like, so, ever since then, he's still a jerk, but I feel really guilty. I can't let him go be a jerk to anybody else, so I feel like I have to stay with him and protect him. The end. That's the way it ends with the kid getting his tongue chopped? Oh no, he got his tongue chopped like earlier. He goes on being a jerk with his tongue chopped. It's fine. The kid's fine. That's a terrible story. That's not a good story. That's a terrible story. Well, don't tell me. Tell it to the person who wrote it. I forgot their name already. Look, that kid was a bad kid, all right? I'll give you that. The kid was a very, very bad kid. But the kid clearly needs mental help. No, he doesn't need mental help. That's silly. The kid is like half ghost demon devil. What? Because it was the 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 sports soldier ghost boy dad. Oh, right, right. That's No, that's true. Right, so it's like, that's why he's evil. Well, that's interesting, because that that raises the question, would he have been evil anyway if she hadn't told the husband the secret and sent him away? What do you mean? Well, even if he had been there, he, he still was some sort of ghost demon devil, right? I mean, that's what you said. So, the child still would have been the child of a ghost demon devil, even if he had stayed there the whole time. Uh, I, yeah, I guess that's true. I didn't think of that. Wait, no, I, okay, it, it works. Here's why. Okay, why? Well, it has to do with the scary moral. Okay. <laughs> because the scary moral of this story is don't tell your husband the truth about your secrets, okay? What? That's a terrible. That's not a moral moral. That's an immoral. No, because that's what happened. She told the secret and it spoiled everything. That's what got all the bad stuff to happen. Yeah, but it's a fictional story. In real life, you're supposed to communicate with your significant other. It's, it's You're not supposed to keep secrets. It's, no, because if you don't keep certain things secret, like the fact that you know that they're like some sort of weird gift from the spirit world or something, then it will spoil everything. Why would you say that? That's a terrible thing to say. Well, that's what he said. That's, you know, that's his scary moral for the episode. That's the way it is. Well, I don't think it's right. Well, you know, I mean, that's fine. You're, I mean, you're a very good moral person and Scape is, is himself. Dad, what is that supposed to mean? I, I don't even know, but but uh, thank you for being here, Jack. Oh, you're very welcome. Um, It's the Jack, though. I am a superhero, of course. I'm a freelance superhero at this point. Not that I take money for of course, but I will be in and around San Francisco if you're getting mugged or anything like that. You can call out my name and I will hopefully be there if it's a time when I am free. <laughs> I do my best, though. I'm sure you do. I'm sure you do. Scape, do you want to wrap things up? Yes. Uh, and first of all, I, I am very moral, okay? All right. Okay, good. Next time on Scapey Stories, I will tell you a story so scary. It will drive you insane. <laughs> All right, well, that 
uh, wraps it up for this episode, pretty much, because we don't have any listener mail, as usual. So uh, please just write into us, you know, castandwax at gmail.com. We don't want to turn this into a Watchmen forum, so don't write in to talk about, you know, how Watchmen is good. Because I know you're right, and, you know, if Rory watches it, he'll know you're right. Well, I, like I said, I didn't read the book, so I didn't Like it. I said, you don't need to read the book. Just watch the movie. It's fine. Jordan's crazy. Look, the point is, if you want to write in to console Jordan, feel free. I just don't want to turn this into a, oh, you know, Watchmen love fest, because it's fine. It's, it's a good movie, but it doesn't need our help, that's for sure. You know, it's doing fine. So, write into us, castandwax at gmail.com. Talk about how great it is that I've got a interview segment back, even though you haven't heard it yet. Talk about how you won't really miss KP stories. Talk about whatever you want to talk about. Are, are, are you forgetting something, Frank? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, you know, write in to, I guess, Rory's segment. Too. No, I mean the part where I sing a song. Oh, oh well, I was gonna, I was gonna skip that part. No, that's the, you, you cannot take away everything. I get to sing a song at the end of every show. Dad said it. Fine, sing your stupid song. Okay, um, this song is dedicated to my dad, who is very sad right now, okay? Okay. It's very sweet. Here we go. A Watchmen movie Made me really sad Because I'm pretending That I'm my dad He doesn't want to do The podcast I hope that this Bad mood doesn't last Because he didn't Give me much food A today well, I'm glad we saved some time for that. So, thank you all for listening, and uh, I especially thank you because I'm sure it was a better show than always because I was the host. But we will definitely be back next week. We don't, like I said, we don't need Jordan. We can do the show without him. Although it would be nice if next week I could be the host of the show. Well, I, he didn't say that the show was left in my care and then around Robin formation. Well, I'm sure that if I talk to him when he's depressed, he'll okay that, won't he? Well, I won't let you do that. Look, we're gonna just. Uh, it's time for the show to end. Can we say the show's over now? <laughs> you just like to be the dictator. All right, you? that's it. Show's over. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. Episode of Cast and Wax, 
uh, first of all, oh man, there's like guard duty. That's superheroes, so there better be like slow, fast, stupid fight nonsense. So who do we have today? Here's the file. I'm excited to meet him. He seems very promising. A real powerhouse. He should be here any minute. Is this... is this for real? Greetings, Earthguard. I'm Birthday Boy, the cosmic personification of birthdays and the embodiment of the daily essence. Oh, it sounds like talking. That's boring. Better pump it up. Then there's like, um, like daughter with other stuff. I don't know. They're talking about fighting, so maybe they'll fight. And as you can see here in my letter of recommendation from the Dean of the Carousel Academy School of Karate, I can break through not one, not two, but four lords with one punch. Impressive. Better fight, or else it's boring. And there's Frank Allen interview. Those usually end in stupid fights, too, so. Alright, um, it's all coming uh, March 16th to waxwork.com.